This podcast is brought to you by Stonely, an interactive guidance platform for self-serve support. Deflect tickets, decrease costs, and delight customers with beautiful step-by-step guides that can be embedded anywhere. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Queue. I'm your host, Meredith Metzger, and this week I'm excited to welcome Ashley Sachs, Director of Support and Success at Whereby. In this episode, I talk with Ashley about how she balances agent growth with relentless productivity. With a little inspiration from Ted Lasso, Ashley shares how she manages that delicate balance, how she helps agents discover their spark, and how a culture of growth empowers her team to crush their KPIs. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Queue. Today I am very excited to welcome Ashley Sachs. She's the Director of Support and Success at Whereby. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. And I love what we're going to talk about today. So I know that you are really passionate about leadership. I think I saw somewhere uh, that you call yourself a leadership nerd. (laughs) I think that was Mm -hmm. in the bio of your Medium blog. So today I want to talk to you about leadership and in particular, how to be the kind of support leader that helps agents grow personally and professionally, but while also still maintaining a productive team that's still hitting your very real day-to-day goals and metrics. So to get us started, can you just tell me a little bit about your leadership philosophy and where you draw inspiration from? Yeah, so my leadership philosophy has been years in the making right now. So uh, it comes from uh, several different places, uh, different mentorship relationships, different uh, books or classes I've taken, but really it's rooted in a human uh, human approach to relationship and curiosity, honestly. And I actually just had a little bit of a, I would say an epiphany for myself uh, just a few months ago. I was doing a rewatch of Ted Lasso before the season two premiere. And, um, ended up inspiring me to go on like a little bit of a fangirl spree and listening to some podcasts from the actors and writers of the show and actually was able to tie that back into a little bit of my leadership philosophy. Uh, There was an interview um, on a podcast episode with Brene Brown and um, Brendan Hunt. (laughs) Yes, don't we all? Uh, Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis, and they were talking about the creative process and how leaving space in that creative process is really important. And I got to thinking you know what, that's a lot about how I approach leadership, like leaving the space for growth is, is really a big part of what I do and how I've built my teams. So um, there's a there's a lot more in there. But I was excited to be able to think about that a little bit more. And then in the podcast, Brendan Hunt had called that kind of creative process a lattice. And so I latched onto that. And I was like, that's really cool. So uh, I like to say now that my leadership style is kind of like a lattice. Uh, building the frameworks and the processes that you need to for your team for them to grow and leaving space for their creativity and their input, especially on remote teams. That's really important. Uh, so, yeah. So to sum it all up, it's leadership is a lattice for me and um, something I'm really excited to kind of build on uh, more in my future now, too. I love that. Yeah. And as when you told me about that um, in our pre-interview process, I went and looked for that episode and I was reading the transcript and it's such an interesting concept to think of leadership as a lattice as opposed to the traditional ladder Mm. like it's not that you know leaders are 
you know, up above trying to like, you know, talk down to their employees or anything. It's that, like you said, you've created those processes, you've created space for them to figure things out on their own Mm -hmm. without you necessarily like telling them what to do every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the really cool thing with the the metaphor of a lattice is there's different types of lattices. So not all of them are wood checkerboard, as you would think, like there's different plants that do, that grow different ways. Sometimes that make their own infrastructure, honestly, eventually as they get to be mature plants. So um, I think that's a really cool way to think of it. I haven't really dove in too much to relate that back to leadership yet, but that's been something I've been noodling on. Um, but it is really cool to see, and that, t- that can tie into a little bit to like situational leadership too, right? There's different ways of leading in different situations or with different people. People like to be uh, led differently. I mean, we're humans. We're all a little different. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So I'm curious as a, you know, as a support leader at Whereby, how do you go about helping your agents grow? And how do you promote that culture of growth on your team? Yeah. So I start these uh, growth conversations really early on, honestly, like in the recruiting process. We talk a lot about uh, talk a lot about growth, um, whether that's an ambition of moving into leadership roles in support or simply getting exposed to um, a new business, a new career path. Uh, growth doesn't necessarily have to equate to a title change. It, it equates to a lot of different things, to a lot of different people. So getting at least a, a starting conversation around that in the recruiting process is always something that I do. Like, hey, what does growth mean for you? Where do you feel like you want to dial into your growth at Whereby? Uh, what are you hoping for? So we talk about that really early on. And then we harvest that a little bit more with our team culture with support. Uh, so we do a QA process uh, that we love. And uh, so we do a, a QA process with uh, chats and tickets. And that's a peer review process. So we all take part in that. And um, what that does is it just really keeps that conversation of um, feedback going. And it makes everybody really comfortable with feedback and learning from each other, you know, part of our DNA. So when it does get to that point where we have to have, uh, you know, those not so fun feedback conversations, it's a, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to get through. And um, yeah, just to have that habit in place first. And then also we have the whole team take part in onboarding new teammates. So that's really cool. And in a part of that onboarding process, we build in intentional reflection time. So our onboarding process is about 10 days to two weeks. That's kind of what we give our our new hires. And then uh, so two days into their onboarding, we have a quick check in uh, with myself and our support leaders. And we say, hey, how's it going? Do you feel like uh, the, the content and the learning is too fast, fast enough for you? Is there anything that you want to backtrack on and dial in a little bit more so far? And then, so that's our temperature check that we start with. And then at the end of the um, onboarding, the end of the two weeks, we'll usually bake in about 15 minutes in our regular team meeting sync that we have on a weekly basis and then do a reflection period. What went really well about onboarding? What could we improve for uh, the next new hire that comes on? And it's really cool just to see the whole team take part and really get value from it. Uh, and that's so that's and also builds relationships on top of that. So that's one of the the unique th- unique things that we've done is in regards to growth and learning and just having that as part of our culture as a whole. Yeah, I love that. It seems like for you, part of promoting that culture of growth is getting everybody actively invested in it 
Like regardless mm-hmm. of job title, regardless of rank, they are they are all invested in, in helping each other grow. And that's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's really important not to discount like the little things that you can do too for a remote teams. So like one of the things that we also have is a CS library in our Notion. Any kind of uh, articles, podcasts, books that any of us have read and, and learned from, we have a library of those in our Notion. So we kind of add on to that as we get it. And that's really cool. I mean, that's something really small. It's really easy to start with. So um, that's always a good a good thing to have too. Very cool. Is that like external inspiration, like learnings, you know, outside of your organization or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I threw the, the podcast <laughs> from that I spoke about earlier, like that's in there. Any kind okay. of leadership podcast that we talk about is in there. Yeah. And then things directly from our, um, from our people team as well. So that would be something that I would say growing from a seed series A startup into a bigger uh, company with more formalized processes around uh, leveling and growth. Like you can't discount the support that your people team is going to have for you and being able to actually put a lot of formality around some of these things as far as growth is concerned. So that's our people team has been instrumental in helping us in that. So um, I would also say there's there's great things you can do inside support um, at a certain level and a certain size, but then eventually as you grow bigger, uh, you will need the support of, of um, your people team. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious in, in what ways has your people team assisted you with uh, creating this culture of growth on your team? The, the really cool thing that we have at Whereby is that our people team actually are set up the, the way we have them designed is people is a product is what our uh, VP of people has done for us. And uh, so our direct people partner that we have is dedicated to support sales success, like our whole commercial team. And she actually came from a support background. So that's really cool. And so when we can talk to her about specific challenges and support, whether that's with growth or how we want to make the leveling process or uh, anything around that, like she understands. She's been in support before and has run support organizations. So that's a really cool, uh, unique thing that has been really helpful in me being able to actually formalize some of our leveling processes and make sure that there is a clear path of growth within Whereby for our support team. I'm curious, what does that path look like if you're able to share? Yeah, so right now we do have um, support specialist, senior specialist, and then leads. And we have uh, expectations for each one of those roles. That includes um, the amount of time you're spending in tickets and the queue, the amount of time you're spending in projects. And then what is also really cool that we've baked in that's helped a lot is the concept of bridge work. So say you are a support specialist and you're looking to excel to a senior role and you want to explore what that might look like or delve into maybe some projects that might be kind of a halfway point in between the two. We've already identified what those projects look like. So we have that concept of bridge work to be able to explore and say, hey, if you want to start having these conversations, let's try these things that might help you elevate you to the next level and start taking on what might be uh, what a senior does, but still be able to um, be on your plate as, as, a, as a specialist. So, Okay, very cool. Um, I want to back up a little bit to one of the first things you said um, that you introduced this concept of growth like very early in the process when you're interviewing people. And I'm curious what made you decide to go that route and what have been some of the results you've seen from introducing it so early? 
it really it shows ambition right at the at the beginning of the relationship i think is really especially as a remote fast paced startup you have to hire people that are are comfortable with learning all the time and and having a really good ambition and a really good forward thinking mindset because it's not just about their personal growth too like when they have that forward thinking mindset and can think outside of just the box of a ticket or a, a chat that they're having they think about the customer journey as a whole so i think the it just it's a characteristic just of a of a great support person too like wanting to be able to think outside the box wanting to grow and impact change that would ultimately influence a customer journey so i think it kind of it's it's dialing into to the learning characteristic and being able to um, harvest that into, you know, into support and into the role and, and give them the freedom to be able to flex those muscles really well. Very cool. And I assume it's, it's worked pretty well for you. Yeah, so far <laughs> it's been, it's been really good. We have a, we have a great team, um, great culture and um, they really do some great things and it's exciting to see and like, and talking with other support leaders, um, support teams are very uh, agile and they evolve very quickly. And it's just a, a, it's a unique set of people that can really, I feel like conquer the world. Sometimes <laughs> you kind of feel like that. So yeah, it's, it's done well so far. Awesome. Well, you mentioned the fact that your team is fully remote. So I kind of want to go in that direction a little bit. So how do you make this space for agent growth? How do you promote this culture of growth? when your team is fully remote? Yeah, uh, a big part of that is documentation, of course. I think anybody in any team, regardless of support or not, but any remote coacher will say, um, it's definitely about documentation. Like if it isn't documented, then it's uh, not real. But uh, I would say along with that, it's setting expectations early and often. I think that that's really important. Always having a space for conversations and being intentional about those intentionality, I think, is one of the biggest pieces about remote work. Uh, we don't have those really easy conversations when we're co-located, tap you on the shoulder, see how you're doing, or the water cooler talks, as people like to call them. Since we don't have that, we have to put extra energy into creating those spaces. So yeah, I say set the expectations about the role early and often. Like Go ahead and get that in your documentation. Check in with your people on that and one-on-ones. And um, that also helps harvest evolution as the company grows. I think that's really important, too, uh, to have a little bit of flexibility there uh, because the company is going to change. Your customers are going to change. So that has helped a lot. And then um, cross-functional relationships have been really helpful for us. I think in the sense of impacting the customer journey, you have to engage with product managers. Uh, you have to be able to have a good feedback system for that. So I think that has helped a lot for our remote team and just really helps them feel valued, which can also be really hard in a, in a remote space as well because it's very isolating. Um, but yeah, and then in the intentionality piece, like make sure your checkpoints are really calculated. So my one-on-ones are only ever rescheduled. They're never canceled. They're always done. We don't really ever like sacrifice a one-on-one. Other meetings can be sacrificed, but one-on-ones cannot. Uh, so invest in those and invest in um, anything that like any workflows around that that would help your team. So for what's been successful for us, I have one on ones every other week with my team In the weeks that I don't have a one on one with them. I use a tool called 15.5 and it sends them an email, um, has them fill out 
three questions, sometimes four. I will rotate a fourth question just depending on what's going on in their journey, in their business. I have different questions for my leads and my customer success managers than I do for like so my regular uh, senior support specialist. Those happen every other week and they help shape some of our one-on-ones and also just gives me a check-in point. And I think that that's really important. It's consistent. It gives them space to tell me things that might be going on. And then if they don't want to tell me there, they can tell me in the one-on-one the following week. So I think that that's that's really important. However, that works for people. Some people use Notion to document their one-on-ones with a shared page, or there's other really great tools out there that will help with that. Or just a plain old Google Doc will work wonders as well. So, yeah. Okay. I'm curious what what questions or what kinds of questions do you ask in 15.5? So the typical ones are around, um, you know, what'd you do? The, the past two weeks, what were you proud of? Uh, what do you want to work on the next two weeks? And where do you feel blocked? And how can I help with that? So those are two, um, ask those questions. They might be asked in like slightly different ways, but that's pretty much the uh, spirit of the main three questions that always come up. The fourth question, um, we'll do some things around like at the end of the year, I always ask the question about like, what are you hopeful for, for your role in the business in, in 2022, like at the, at the next year. So at the end of the year, I'll ask questions like that for my leadership. I'll ask certain coach, coaching questions. Like, where have you, um, like ha- where have one of your direct reports had an interesting idea this week? Uh, how did you dive into that? kind of thing? Um, or how did you highlight that? So very pointed questions. Um, I have some that are rotating. And then if there's um, any kind of like, you know, we have a little bit of seasonality in our business. So if it's a really busy time, um, I might ask questions like, what what was difficult about this season and what could have possibly made it better? Was that a process maybe that we need to work on? Or was there something else maybe that we need to, to find to prepare us for the next seasonality spike? Okay. I see how using 15.5 kind of uh, fits in with your goal of documenting everything. Yes, Documentation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I would say don't, don't discount your note taking. And uh, so don't ever skip that. And uh, also just be really purposeful about your reflection as a leader too. I think it's really important, like just sitting down, giving yourself 15 minutes after a one-on-one and being able to digest what would, what happened during it and, and documenting that. So it's just better for you to be more present in the next one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I can see how combining both in-person one-on-ones with the sending questions every other week, I can see how that would be helpful for people who might, maybe they kind of feel on the spot when they're asked something on, you know, in person, and maybe Mm. they want more Mm. time to think through Mm -hmm. their answers and be thoughtful. So I can see how that Mm. having both approaches would be a nice balance for for a lot of folks. Yeah, and that could actually lead back, you know, to the, um, we talk about uh, lattices looking differently and being made out of different things, you kind of tie it back to that, right? Like get meeting meeting your direct reports where they are. Some prefer to have really deep, intentional one-on-ones where it would the written word may be better for them. It just meeting them in that right place. I mean, we do that with our customers. Um, why not that, you know, do that with our direct reports too? It's, it's very human approach. And I think that that's, um, it's been helpful for us so far. Yeah, I love that kind of transitioning to the to my next question so how do you encourage and um, empower that individual growth while still acknowledging that your your direct reports have lives outside of work 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I really like to do is I like to, I say I dial into what sparks them. So I play, I pay really close attention. So when they're for, for our project time, so we have different, at different levels, you have a different amount of project time. Um, so when we do project time and we have our um, support people work on specific projects, I like to see after they finish that project, I like to talk to them and kind of get a little bit of a reflection period with them and see if there's a spark there and ask them very directly, like, how did you feel about this? Did it feel cumbersome to you? Did it feel like, you know, a, a lot of work or did it excite you or, or spark something in you? So I like to find out what sparks people and see how we can amplify that in the support role and in the customer journey. Uh, and they can directly tie that back when it comes to starting a new role, hopefully within the company um, or anywhere else, they can tie some of their uh, project work back to, let's say, for example, I think a really good example of this is we have support people that are embedded in our product teams. So our product teams follow um, similar to the Spotify squad mo model. And so what we have done is we have embedded a support person in each one of the product teams. So their role is to be a voice for the customer in uh, those planning meetings, you know, let the product managers know, hey, this is a big pain point for our customers. This is driving up our ticket volume and anything that comes in between that and that kind of feedback. And what they can do in these next roles that they go to, they can say, hey, I was directly involved in a cross-functional relationship with my product team. I know how product teams work. I know what sprints are and kind of like how they prioritize projects. So I think that that's really cool to be able to uh, have that as a, as a skill too on their, on their resumes going forward as well. Okay. Um, this might be kind of in the weeds, but I'm curious, how do you decide how much project time folks get depending on their, their level? Yeah. So we actually schedule out our project time. So our operational lead, she does our scheduling and we have decided that based on our ticket volume and based on our leveling structure, you've got your support specialist that will do about 80 to 90% key work and then about 10% to 20% of projects, just depending on what's going on. Um, and then we schedule that time. So we have, uh, make sure we have ticket coverage, make sure we have chat coverage, and then it's a shared calendar and schedule between the entire team to say, hey, this person's going to be out of the queue for an hour on Thursday working on X. And um, that's really helped just for to get a break out of the queue, one, um, which is also very helpful. And then just to highlight being able to see that everybody is working on something besides just tickets and different levels and different forms or helping the leads on certain projects, too, uh, which helps amplify a little bit of that relationship piece there as well. So they do... 80 to 90 percent and then mm -hmm. as um as you move up it's less tickets yeah, yeah. and okay. a little bit more project work yep yep okay so i'm curious what kind of projects uh your team works on yeah so processes are really important uh so we had one of our uh senior specialists work on our qa process and was able to help uh, myself we, we sat down together and we were able to kind of get that launched and uh, he's been evolving that as we go. So that's one thing. Also, we do with company wide, we do goals and OKRs quarterly. So the support team will have a little less, obviously, because we have a lot of just day to day work. Um, but there'll be some OKRs that we'll have to reach, whether that's around um, helping influence churn or operationalizing the support experience a little bit better to where we're able to solve tickets faster. 
So those are kind of how we pick our projects, just depending on what's going on in the business and, and what the company needs help on and how support can influence that directly. So that's also one of the big like remote pieces and support value just as a whole. I know it's um, support can sometimes feel like an island sometimes in companies, but um, we tie our work directly back to our company goals and OKRs. So I think that that's helpful as well. Nice. Yeah, I can see how your team getting to work on those kind of projects, especially the ones that are working with other departments or Mm. tying back to business goals, how that could help them in their personal and professional growth. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So kind of on that note, how do you find and promote the right people on your teams for roles in people management, more advanced technical support, um, and other leadership roles? So going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, I start with, I start in the recruiting process. So I'm always looking for learners, creative thinkers, forward thinking mindset. Those are, I think, those are the hallmark characteristics that really make great support people, but always, and also make really, um, it drives ambition and also makes, you know, people that are more likely to evolve into other roles and just, just a good, good type of person all around. So I start with that. Uh, making sure that we're right, we're finding the right people. And also, I really like to take a look at where are, where are some strengths that I already have on the team and where are our weaknesses and how can we, in our recruiting process, find those people that might be able to amplify our weaknesses a little bit. Um, so whether that's um, needing a little bit more data-driven people, for example, um, we're really good in the relationship piece really great at doing delightful customer experiences, but like our operations could need a little help because our customer base is growing so dramatically. So those are kind of the things like, depending on what stage of company that you're at and what your growth looks like in your customer base, you may need different skills at different times within support or different expertise for for that matter. So recruiting process is really important. And then um, after recruiting, when it comes to like promoting um, and career growth, all those characteristics that I look for um, in leadership roles really show up in taking initiative on certain things, like being really fired up about a customer issue and not really asking permission to do something about it, but feeling empowered to say, hey, this is a problem and we need to address it. So I see I see a lot of like leadership things that will come out of those kinds of situations that we might we might come into. Uh, so I look at that and um, also leaning on that bridge work and leaning into those sparks that I see when it comes to uh, projects. Like if it's a more technical project, seeing if there was a spark there and then how they accomplished the project. Um, was it something that they wanted to dive more into? Did they finish it on time? Was it done well? Did they stay uh, did they stay up to date with it as we needed to? So really, I think it's, it's a lot of different things, but um, it leads back to recruiting and hiring the right people, giving them space to find their sparks and find the things that that really drive them and um, having some some processes in place that will be able to let them do that. You know, having defined ticket or ticket time and defined project time, having those bridge work things in place, uh, a lot of different things for that. Okay. So I'm curious um, for the, the folks that you promote to maybe team leads, they start supervising people. How do you go about um, identifying if they would be a good people manager? I think, um, again, 
initiative is is really a, a big thing there, initiative for their team, right? And being really concerned about the health of their team, I think is, is one of those hallmarks that I look for. Um, seeing them be really excited for their teammates' personal growth and wanting to take part in it, whether that's with um, having them really jazzed and excited about the onboarding process. Uh, the way we do that is each one of our team members will take a portion of training, whether that's a product walkthrough, uh, whether that's learning about the more technical back end of our system, um, whether that's talking about how to use our ticket um, tooling system. It's, it's cool to see your potential leaders. You'll see a lot more spark there too. I um, mean, like, yes, I really wanna teach this person. I wanna see them ex that excel and succeed here. So I think I start seeing that a little bit early, maybe in the onboarding process, and then kind of like trying to follow that, that bit of, I keep on using Spark. I don't know, there's another, there's not another way to describe it for me, but like keep on following that and, and making more space to have that show up more. So I think um, people leaders, you'll definitely see a lot of jazz for um, seeing the rest of their teammates excel and being very concerned about the health of their team. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> my overuse of spark or <laughs> just, been well, just... <laughs> it's funny cause it makes me think of Ted Lasso again, which I know yeah, we yeah. talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of people sure. who like to help other people find their spark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all, it's all, all roads lead back to Ted Lasso in some way. Exactly. Shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm wondering, um, so as you're going about fostering this culture of growth and your team, how do you do that? Like promote that growth while also keeping your team feeling happy, fulfilled, but also focused on your day-to-day -day business goals. Like you have very real mm -hmm. metrics that you have to hit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It yeah. seems like a lot to balance. So I'm curious what, yeah. how you work through that. It's, it's super delicate. And I think... I think the best thing that we've been able to do is being realistic about like, there's going to be bad seasons or hard seasons. Like there's going to be um, there. I mean, we all just came through a worldwide pandemic. That was a very hard season. And I feel like there wasn't really any growth for us. We were just actually just kind of like treading water as best we could at that time. So I think it's being realistic about that. And um being able to be vulnerable about that too. Like as a leader going through that time with my team, I was very much like, this is really hard. And if you're struggling, that's okay. I'm struggling too. So I think that that's really important to be real and honest and um, allow space for that specifically um, first and foremost. Uh, but also then like leading back to those processes that you can build. I think what really helps us is having those schedules they can be flexible and they can evolve, but being able to schedule our time and know when somebody's going to be in the queue or when somebody might need help in the queue, I think that that has helped a lot for us to set forecasting and, and be able to be realistic about our you know OKRs and our quarterly goals of what we know our regular ticket volume is and what we can handle on top of our regular ticket volume. Okay. So I... Uh... Yeah, I'm curious, how do you kind of balance your your time and energy as the support leader between, you know, f setting up those processes, helping your, your people grow personally and professionally, but also making sure that you're still hitting, you know, the metrics you need to hit for your company's OKRs? 
For that one, I, I'm going to lean back into our documentation and being able to forecast like the time that we need to reach a certain goal that feeds into our specific company goal. Uh, for example, I'll take uh, when we launched live chat for our customers. We had to look really hard at what our busiest times of the day were, how many people we needed during the busiest times, and what kind of, we had to experiment with what kind of chat volume we could handle during those times. There was a little bit of guessing, estimating to start with, but we set ourselves up to realistically say, okay, maybe we might need one to two people in, in chat. Like worst case scenario, we might get four chats at one time. Let's start with that. And then this is how much tickets, this is how many tickets we typically get during these hours. So we need to forecast for that. So I think being very intentional about what our current volume looks like, projecting a little bit more volume in a different medium, and then aligning that with, okay, maybe there is a season where there is a little bit less of a growth project because everybody's going to be uh, focused on that. And that's okay. I think what the really important thing is after you complete that goal is to make sure you highlight that really well with your team, right? Like it is a huge win. Yes, we didn't get to do our as much of our project time that we wanted to do. We didn't, you know, maybe get as much personal growth in during this four-week process that we launched live chat. But we launched live chat. Our tickets are probably going to go down because now we have a live medium. And then we get to do something really fun. Like, oh, actually, a lot of our support specialists love doing live chat more than they do. They, they like doing tickets. So I think it's, like I said before, like, being realistic, setting those expectations early. Hey, we've got this goal to meet. The, the personal growth or the extra projects may not happen as much as they usually do. And, and the team being, you know, being aware of that and being okay with that. Okay. Yeah, it's all, it sounds like it's all very interconnected. Like you set up yeah. from your one-on-ones to your QA processes, to, like everything is set up to support both that growth, like the personal growth, while also still hitting your goals. Yeah. And there's really cool things you can do. Like, in, I mean, I feel like support's a Swiss, Swiss army knife a lot of the times, you know, like, like support people do so many different things and wear so many different hats, but it does all lead back to the customer experience and the, and the customer journey in the end. It's just, it just gets there in different ways. So it's finding those different ways that the support role affects that and then putting the people in those right places and, and helping build out those right processes to get there. Okay. I'm curious if you're able to share what are what are some of your like major team goals, and I'm curious how you kind of use that growth mindset to to hit those. Yeah. So right now, uh, we are actually in the process of switching our support strategy from a B to C to a B to B approach. We've introduced a new product for us and it's based on an API where customers can have video meetings inside of their product and not necessarily um, come to whereby to have a meeting. They can do it inside their own product and build an experience, their own experience around it. So that's a whole different kind of support. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been a huge pivot for our support team. So the first thing that we started with, um, which was one of our last OKR goals, was we had about half of our support team that was really prepared to support that was a little bit more technical, understood our API a little bit more. We had that group of that little squad of support people help develop a training for the rest of support. And that was one of our biggest goals 
it literally included everybody. Um, however, I had one of my um, senior support specialists kind of like project managing it. He's the one that really likes our training piece and is really great with our new hires. Uh, he helps schedule all the, the new training for, for our new hires. So he was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get the schedule going and I'm going to, and we actually got the whole company involved because there was different parts of the company that also needed uh, a little bit of product training around this. Um, our marketing people joined, um, we had a refresher for some of our salespeople. So that was really cool to also see this, like, it wasn't just a support thing. It was a whole company thing. So yeah, so we had our, 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 uh, senior specialist that was really, um, our trainer came in helped with the, with the rest of the squad, organize everything, organize content, and then do, um, they did a two week uh, training. The first week was asynchronous. So it was all just documentation and videos, uh, Loom videos that we put in Notion where you could follow along with uh, specific parts of uh, the customer journey, how the customer signs up for an account, how they generate an API key, kind of all that. And then the second week we had uh, three one hour sessions where it was um, a synchronous training where we actually went through live walkthroughs of the product or situations that we've had customers ask us about. And yeah, it went, it went great. And what was really cool from that is we have a, a mailbox specifically for that segment of customers. And you look at the ticket times pre-training and then you look at the ticket times post-training and you see a huge difference. And that was something I highlighted with the team. I was like, yeah, you all feel, it's great. You all feel confident in answering these questions now. You know how you feel about it, but look at the metrics now. And like, you can see the direct effect of the work you all did coming together, teaching each other and learning from each other about this new product in a scary situation, honestly. Like, it's really scary to go from like, just supporting uh, direct to consumer customers about a, you know, a specific SaaS product to then looking at actually supporting API and uh, a business customer. It's it's different. So I was really encouraged when we had those numbers come out, and I could I could show them and celebrate with them, and and I was just so proud of them, and they were really proud of themselves. So I think that that was just like the 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 cherry on the Sunday for us, and is a great representation of how it looks to be able to combine project work that directly correlates to a really good company goal, really good um, customer experience in general. Yeah, I love that. That's like the perfect example. <laughs> yeah. It's like not only did, I mean, not only did you hit, but you like exceeded the goal by a lot. Mm. But I mean, yeah, just think of all of the the cool learning and, and experience that your team got getting to like take the lead on something and learn mm -hmm. how to teach and how to support their their peers. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a great experience. Um, and I think that that's one that we'll, we'll be writing the high on for a while with that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, so I'm I'm curious now that you you have experience with this and you've had some very real successes. What advice do you have for other support leaders who would like to better balance investing in agent growth with also still hitting their team goals? Yeah, um, it takes some creativity for sure. It's okay to lean into the creativity there. I think I didn't. I think with the example I just gave, uh, it was really cool to see how, yes, we had this need to support new business and new product. And uh, we have some people that were really passionate about seeing others grow and teaching and learning and being able to like see the connection between the two. Okay, 
I can highlight this person's personal growth by allowing them to do the training that will push our support team to a new level. So that, that might seem a little bit obvious. There's a little bit more things that are harder to, to connect, uh, of, of course, with other business goals. But I think it's really important to lean into creativity there. And then I would say, like, don't be afraid to ask really pointed questions of your team, like in your one on ones and or any other exercises that you do, like be really curious and, and try to gain as much perspective as you can. There's several different questions that I like to lean in and just ask people very directly, like, how do you like to be led? What is the definition of growth for you? Is it a title change or is it not? Is it just learning a new skill? Like, that's really important to highlight as well. Um, what was really cool with another example I have, um, one of my leads, when he, like, second year of, of working with him, like, we had a need for us to um, redesign our uh, support documentation, our help center. And we, scrappy startup, we didn't really have the uh, design or dev power that we needed to just hand it off. Like we had to own some of that. And so he was like, okay, I really have a desire to be a little bit more technical and I need to ramp up my HTML and my CSS skills. And I was like, okay, how can that apply to the role, you know, as we have in this seed startup to like, what's the need that support has to take on right now that could highlight you being able to do that directly. And that was our support center. And um, he was able to uh, work with one of our designers. So we had a little bit of help, but overall, like being able to shape the, the content and then how it presented on the website, like he was able to do all that. And so he accomplished a support goal, but at the same time was able to highlight some of the skill that he wanted to learn and become an expert in at the same time. So that was really cool. And I think that's one of our other success stories that we like to talk about a lot too. <laughs> oh, I so, love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like it's, it's being creative. It's leaning into those processes. Um, asking questions. Yes. Like, and asking the yes. right questions. Yeah. Just be direct and be like, what do you want to learn? And how can we find a way to relate that back to support? Yeah. Love that. May as well take the guesswork out. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's probably a good spot for us to kind of start wrapping up. But before I ask you my last question, is there anything else about our topic today that uh, you would like to add that we haven't covered? I don't think so. I think we can, I'd had a note, but I think we can skip to the last question uh, <laughs> and, and, go, and go for that. I think we'll be good. Okay. So my last question, this is the big one uh, and the broad one. But in general, what advice do you have for up-and-coming support leaders? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time here talking about, like, pouring into your direct reports, how you really um, build your culture. And um, I think what I would like to go back to is um, the, the leader directly, I think, is, is also really important in this equation here, too. Um, so I would say make your commitment to your values and boundaries like really early in your leadership career um, and be intentional about checking in on those on a regular basis. Like they're going to evolve. They're going to, you know, move around a little bit as you grow, as your life experiences are different in different ways. But it's really important to commit to those because um, that just, that just really makes you a better leader. You got to make time for yourself. You have to make time for what's important to you. Um, and just 
just solidifying that really early is great because as you grow, as you, as your company grows, um, in any kind of career progression, the later on down in life, it's going to be a lot harder to set those guardrails. Um, so I always like to say that, and it's something that I was told early on and, and see a lot of value in that now. So make your, make your values and, you know, your commitments to yourself really early and stick with it and be flexible in those as you need to be, but, um, keep checking in on those and make sure you're, you're within those. Okay. I know I said that was my last question, but I thought of a follow-up. <laughs> um, I'm curious what, what committing to boundaries, especially, I'm curious what that has looked like for you. Like, how do you do yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so I think this is extremely uh, real for remote workers, right? Like um, when you, when you uh, are a remote worker, you have to have, there's not as many physical boundaries of work. So I think that that's really important, right? So you have to be creative with those. So for me, it was being very pointed about where I work and like work was there and wasn't in different parts of my house. So that's, that's really important. And then also like for, you know, having a family, I think is, is really important. Like I'm very much like this is family time and, and work does not um, impede that. And um, encouraging, I think encouraging your direct reports to do the same is, is also very, is very valuable, but, you know, practicing what you preach is also <laughs> what you need to do there too. But yeah. So for me, it was, it was having uh, physical boundaries and time boundaries that I, that I set aside. And then when you take a break, take a break, <laughs> you know, like set your, set yourself up and your team up with all the tools they need. Um, make sure, you know, while you're gone and then disconnect. Um, I think arrested, arrested mind and arrested body is way more productive. And I feel like we hear that in so much research and other podcasts and, you know, in books and stuff, but it's, it's a really good reminder to hear that, you know, often. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that's especially important in a high empathy, high emotional intelligence job like support. (laughs) Exactly. Like with, with people with high empathy meters, like that's, it's even more of a, it's a very specific need. And it's, it's very, it's very important to remind people of that. I know like burnout is a, is a lot more real for support people. It's good to have a, have a good check on that. And it's good to talk about that. I think that there's a, a, I think sometimes depending on like the report, the direct report and the leader relationship, sometimes it might be uncomfortable to talk about. So again, making that space to be like, it's okay to talk about burnout. It's okay to talk about, you know, the struggles that you're having. And I think that that just helps the relationship even more. I love that. Cool. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and sharing your wisdom Uh, I'm really excited to see the response to this episode because I think there's lots of really valuable stuff in here. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll all go watch the episode of Ted Lasso after and kind of pick out our Uh, our leadership, our leadership characteristics. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, and I was one more thing. Um, If anyone wants to uh, contact you or learn more from you, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, drop me an email, or I'm on Twitter. Um, It's just Ashley Sachs, and I'll respond to you. That's all for this episode of Beyond the Q. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed it, please be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.